we go. Excellent. Well, um, firstly, just another big happy Father's Day to all all the fathers um, on the call today. It's um, a real privilege to to be a dad, and also a huge responsibility. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Um, effectively, the sermon today is. If you are making notes, it's called God Sees Everything. And um, during lockdown, which has been since March, I've had a few pet projects. One, um, I've had a few carpentry projects. And then I've had a personal project just to get myself um, in better physical shape. Uh, for most of you know, we actually celebrated our one-year anniversary um, coming back from the U.S. And um, I was out of shape coming back from the U.S., uh, largely because I spent two and a half years on planes and eating airport food. Um, and, um, and subsequently, lockdown has been a great opportunity for me just to get outside and get on a bicycle and get out on the road, uh, doing a lot of road running. And um, during my road running, I found a really special prayer spot. Um, it's, it's exactly two miles away from my house. And for those serious mathematicians out there, that means I run four miles a day. Um, and during my prayer time, I prayed for God to lead me to studying out something um, in the scriptures. And... I feel like I was led to studying out the book of Samuel. And what I want to look at today is effectively the book of Samuel. Now, we don't have time in 30 minutes to cover the book of Samuel. But um, looking at aspects of how David dealt with trials and injustice. But before I start, I just wanted to make the session interactive and just ask for those who do have a keyboard, I know it's probably a bit more challenging on a mobile phone, but what types of injustices do we currently see in the world? So that's a question for the audience. What type of injustices are we seeing in the world at the moment? Hopefully I can see it in the chat box. So Rudy, if, if, if I can't see the chat, then if you could just read out a few. Yeah, no problem, I can do that. So what types of injustices? And usually injustice is in the eye of the beholder. But... I, I, I've got the chat now, so it's good. Can you see it, Marlon? Yeah. Okay. So we got racial injustice. Many poor while fewer, fewer wealthy police brutality, corruption in gov governments, domestic abuse. At the moment, there seems to be a lot of social injustices. Gender and age equality, uh, modern slavery, in some aspects that we know that there's aspects of human trafficking happening all the time. Um, there's a lot of injustice. Um, 
injustice can also be you could have been treated unfairly during COVID or at least processed it and felt that you've been treated unfairly. It could be the fact that you've recently been furloughed um, or lost your job or been impacted somehow with COVID and, and felt like it's really unfair. What I want to encourage you with today is that God sees everything. And I think we can uh, take a few moments and just hopefully learn something together as we, as we see how David dealt with things. So I'll go to the next slide. So the book of Samuel in our modern Bibles is effectively written in two books, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. But the reality is, is that it, it was merely due to the scroll length. And, it, and in fact, it's actually just one long coherent story. And just a bit of background, um, the Israelites effectively move out of Egypt and they're wandering around and at Mount Sinai, um, God and the Israelites effectively make a covenant and he gives them the commandments that they would effectively live by these commandments and he transitions them to the promised land. And in the promised land, there's this a period where they, where Israel has judges, but unfortunately, um, as as we know, Israel effectively forget the commandments, and it effectively turns into moral chaos. And um, during that moral chaos, they they think the solution would be to to have a king. And uh, Samuel comes along and inquires of the Lord and effectively God agrees that that he would give them a king and then there's these primary characters in the book of Samuel you've got Hannah who gives birth to Samuel the prophet uh, you've got Saul King Saul mighty King Saul and you've got David and during the period of of Samuel they transition from effectively a whole bunch of tribes that are um, governed or sort of managed by by judges to this unified kingdom um, overseen by king david finally in jerusalem and the time period is is roughly is roughly 1020 bc to 1014 bc is the period that we're going to we're going to look through and the the common theme of the book really is captured right in the beginning in Hannah's song where it effectively reveals that God opposes the proud and exalts the humble you know despite human evil God is at work and God will raise up a messianic king so we're going to pick up in first Samuel for those who prefer a paper Bible, please feel free to turn to 1 Samuel 18, verse 6 to 11, and uh, we'll, we'll catch the story from there. So in verse 6, it says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet the king, uh, to meet King Saul, with singing and dancing and with joyful songs and with timbrels and lairs 
as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only thousands. What more, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in the house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So yeah, we've got a situation where backdrop is David's uh, a shepherd boy um, from the smallest, most insignificant family of all the tribes of Israel. And uh, Saul's in a bit of a predicament. His predicament is called um, Goliath. And effectively, Goliath is causing a lot of pain uh, for, for the Israelites. And effectively, they caught up in fear. Fast forward, God's got a plan and effectively gets David to come and deal with this Philistine, Goliath. Uh, brings him from the comforts of the, the hills and shepherding and and David gets dealt all sorts of cards. His brothers get angry with him, uh, but fundamentally he has a resolute conviction. And although he um, comes from an insignificant family and um, he's the youngest of all his brothers, one thing David does have is a simple and radical trust in God. And with that simple and radical trust, he effectively slays Goliath. And ultimately, um, people give him credit for it. And then fundamentally, this is where the sort of challenges start for David, specifically in his relationship with Saul. Saul's jealousy and character starts being revealed. And clearly Saul starts fearing of, you know, about his future. And ultimately, he's gripped with selfish ambition to ultimately receive the glory for any victory. Um, you don't have to turn there, but in James 3 verse 16, James reminds us for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. You know, for Saul, ultimately, this young fellow was 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 a threat, and um, it drove him to want to kill this young boy. Now, um, if you look at David's age, that people say he's ultimately between 15 and 20 years old at the time. It's quite a lot for a 15 to 20 year old to deal with. You know, when you ultimately serving a mighty king, uh, you've had some victories and fundamentally this injustice happens. You effectively serving him by calming him and playing music and, and um, you experience the wrath um, of, this, of, of, this, of this situation. 
We move forward to 1 Samuel 19, verse 8 to 15. You know, sometimes injustice um, carries on. And uh, for, unfortunately for David, it wasn't just that particular event. And in Samuel 19, 8 to 15, it says, Once more war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. And he struck them with such force that they fled before him. So once again, God's with uh, David, and uh, he is successful in battle. It says, but then an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in the house with the spear in his hand. And while David was playing the lyre, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with the spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. And Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. You know, in order to want to kill someone, there must be some serious stuff going on in your, in your heart, in your head. Uh, but Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window and he fled and escaped. And then Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. And while Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, he is ill. And then Saul sent the men back to see David and he told them, bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. You know, there's some serious, serious anger issues. Um, but when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed and at the head, there was some goat's hair. I just think it's important to pause because we've all read this story a thousand times and picturing someone between the ages of 15 and 20 um, having to deal with what seems to be a really unjust situation. The, the, the level of wrath that Saul wants to you know, deploy on, on David primarily out of pride and fear that he might take his position or his glory is, is intense. And um, we know that David served Saul for about seven years in the palace. You know, he put his life on, on the line for Saul many times going out to battle. And I think this is what makes it more emotionally challenging is to think of the concept of, you know, if, if, um, if you put your life on the line for someone, you have an, expect, an expectation that there's a mutual love for each other. But fundamentally, this was just met with more anger and more, more anger. Um, what I wanted to ask you just to put in the chat window is just to maybe just share, what do you think some of the emotions David must have felt uh, during this seven-year period, uh, we captured two instances where, where, where Saul's flaring up, but there might might have been other uh, periods during this year, um, during the seven years that he was in. So, if, if people could just share, what are some of the emotions uh, do you think David could have rightly felt? Fear, yeah. 
yeah, just lots of fear, misunderstood, absolutely. Unappreciated. Disbelief, confused, frustration, bitter. I think right now in the world today, people are feeling the same things. You know, um, there's, there's just a lot of injustice going on in the world. People are feeling anxious, appalled, bitter, confused. Um, and, and one thing that I wanted to call out was the fact that um, one thing that you notice David didn't do is he didn't just sit in, keep sitting in the palace. I think he reached a point where he realized fundamentally he needs to get out of the situation. Um, so I do believe that when injustice occurs, even as Christians, depending on the level of injustice that we're feeling or we're seeing, we need to apply action. It's not just a matter of being faithful and absorbing the pain and pushing through it. So, so David effectively um, moves forward. So let's pick it up in First uh, Samuel 22, verse 9 to 18. I won't read the whole passage. The backdrop, fundamentally, David, um, David flees. And as David does, is he, he um, gets a band of men. I think it, people talk on average between three and 600 men who, who he gathered together, who were the down and outs of the time. And uh, he was roaming from one city to the next city, um, sort of just fleeing from David wherever he could. And um, he, he got to... Um, he got to this town uh, where this priest effectively helped him out. And, um, and ultimately, as uh, Saul hears that David was in this town, and um, he, he rushes to the town and, and, and they have this encounter. So I'll just uh, pick up in verse 13. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me? Uh, he's talking to the priest that helped uh, David and, and his men. You and the son of Jesse giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me, as he does today. Amalek answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David? The king's son-in-law, the captain of your bodyguard, and, a highly and highly respected in your household. Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about the whole affair. But the king said, you will surely die, Amalek, you and your whole family. The king ordered the guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. And they knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. The king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king then ordered Dog, who, who, you turn and strike down the priest. So Dog, the Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore linen ephod. 
also put to sword Nob, which is effectively the town, uh, the town of the priests with his men and women, its children and infants and its cattle and its donkeys and its sheep. Effectively, Saul's just getting worse. And the point I wanted to make here was that if you don't deal with your character, unfortunately, things get worse. You know, it started out with Saul wanting to kill David. It led to killing 85 priests and a whole town. Injustice breeds hatred. It's something that's like a bacteria. It gains momentum. Um, fear, jealousy, pride. Um, and so what I wanted to just encourage you with is, is just to make sure that whatever's going on in your heart and your mind with all the injustice in the world, uh, maybe even in your personal life, that you don't let it boil. Um, it, it just gets worse. It, it, if you don't talk through it, if you don't get input, ultimately it leads to bigger things. And the problem with injustice and, and actions, actions have consequences. I'm thinking of how this, this all started purely because some young man had great victory and some king who felt threatened by that. And who knows for how many generations the town of Nob effectively still had hatred and, and um, felt the injustice for many generations when they thought back to this particular moment. We continue and um, we know that David runs from one town to the next. As I said, he spends seven years, sorry, four years. Uh, he spends seven years in the palace and four years running away. And um, he has a moment, David has an opportunity to effectively gain revenge. Um, and we pick up in 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 to 15. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep's pen, and along the way, a, a cave was there, and Saul went in it to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave, and the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscious stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. And he said, it, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I, do, I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. 
in the end, David stands up and he calls out to Saul and reminds Saul, hey, I, you know, why, why are you chasing me? Clearly, God, God's given you into my hands and I, I didn't um, effectively take revenge. Why are you pursuing me? And then in verse 12, it says, may the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. You know, we see in this passage that, you know, David's not influenced by peer pressure. You know, the men in the cave said to David, David, remember the scripture, remember the story. You know, you, you can execute. We'll support you. We trust you. You know, take, take revenge, man. And we notice that, um, you know, David must have, you know, he wrote a lot of Psalms, a lot of the poems whilst he was running away during this, you know, period. Um, you know, and you could see how close he was with God and gained that strength from prayer to be able to, to be able to withhold the temptation for just, you know, just executing Saul and just getting, you know, dealing with the situation. And it says that he's con he was conscious stricken. You know, we all know when our consciences are soft and when our consciences are hard. I know for me, when typically when I'm, when my own conscience is hard, it's, it's usually because I'm not close to God. I don't even see things. You know, I could react. Um, I could do things and, and fundamentally not feel anything in my heart. But, but you could see David was, you know, just by even cutting the cloth of Saul, his conscience was stricken. And I think it's important for us as Christians to, to really remain close to God because that's the only way that our consciences will remain soft. And that's how, how we will cope with injustices and not react uh, when we see injustice, whether it's uh, injustice towards us or our friends or family or social injustices that we're seeing around the world. You know, David steps out in faith. You know, he stands on top of the cliff or comes out of the cave and calls out to Saul. He steps out in faith. And it says Saul had 3,000 men. It takes a lot of faith to come out of a cave and confront this person who's, who's really determined to kill you. And I think it takes, it takes um, faith to step out and, and talk to injustices that we are seeing in, in the world and maybe even personally to you. And, you know, when you hear yourself saying that I'm going to leave this in God's hands. I think there's something powerful hearing you say it rather than you trying to cope with your injustices in your own mind. So I just wanted to encourage you, if there's any injustice that's been done to you uh, or, or what you're seeing is go out and, and talk out loud and hear yourself giving it to God. And, and ultimately, I think that peace, that peace that David must have experienced um, during this period will, will come upon you too. 
In 1 Samuel 25, verse 28 to 35, there's a beautiful story. We don't have time to, to go through the whole story. But effectively, during the time of, of David and his men being in the desert, um, there, was a, there was a rich man called Nabal. Um, and David's men never really pestered uh, Nabal's men during this period. And in many ways protected them when the Philistines came across the territories. And at one point, David was, um, you know, hungry and his men are thirsty and he, he wants to go to Nabal and say, hey, Nabal, you know, can you can you just give us some stuff? I mean, we've we've looked after you and can you just give us some of your food or just look after us? Um, and uh, Nabal, unfortunately, treats David's men pretty poorly. And uh, David decides to retaliate, you know, an injustice. Once again, another injustice. I'm going to, and David, um, at this point, um, clearly, uh, you know, works through some stuff and decides to take the men to go and take Nabal. And luckily, there's a, a beautiful and intelligent woman called Abigail, which is uh, Nabal's uh, wife. And the servants tell her, listen, David and his men are coming. Um, Nabal was, you know, mistreated David's men. And, and we pick up in verse 28. It says, please forgive your servants presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for, uh, for my Lord. She's talking to David. This is Abigail. Because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled uh, for my Lord every good thing he has promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself and when the lord your god has brought my lord's success remember your servant and then david said to abigail praise be to the lord the god of israel who has sent you today to meet me may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. You know, what's really important to remember is, is that we need to remind each other as Christians that we need to be peacemakers. And we need to remind each other to have humility. It takes a lot of humility. You know, you can imagine David was really annoyed. I mean, he's, he's already in the desert. He's starving. He's hungry. I'm not sure about all the dads on the call, but one thing about dads is, you know, we, we get hangry, you know, so we're always looking for food. And you can just imagine David just feeling the injustice of this rich guy not really helping out and wanting to go and sort out the situation. 
But even David, a man after God's own heart, needed Abigail just to remind him once again, listen, don't take justice into your own hands. And David was really grateful and, and uh, luckily responded in a, in a righteous manner. We go on to 1 Samuel 26, and we, we don't have to read this whole passage. But effectively, if we pick up in verse 7, long story short, Saul in the first instance, as always, goes, David, I'm sorry, you're right, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything to to trouble you and hurt you. Come back to me. And unfortunately, if you don't deal with what's going on in your heart, it just becomes worse. So you find Saul constantly forgetting what he's communicated, and then constantly pursuing and wanting to kill David. So there's a the the troops are out in the field, and um, you know David effectively says who, who will come down to the camp um with me to Saul and uh, David is has got many many men who who always want to stand up and go to battle with him it's probably a clear sign of a great leader when when people are willing to go to battle with you and um once again um you know David had an opportunity to effectively destroy Saul. Uh, but in verse 10, it says, David says, as surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go to battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So David took the spear and the water jug and left Saul's uh, near Saul's head and they left. And then, you know, so fundamentally Saul's sleeping there with all of his mighty men and, and David grabs his spear and, and his sword and his um, jug that was near Saul's head, effectively indicating that if, if he wanted to, he could have, he could have seeked revenge. And then he, he talks out again when he gets to the hill in verse 23. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and their faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. You know, it's... Uh, it's amazing how, how David responds. And, and the truth is, in the reason for a lot of injustice in today's world is because lives aren't valued. And God values lives, and he gives David the spirit of, of um, just trust that God would deliver him and, and ultimately um, gives him the opportunity to value an enemy's life. Um, and, and David trusts in that. Um, and the question I wanted to ask for, the, for you, is just a rhetorical question, is how many times does it take for you to take justice into your own hands? So how many times do you need to... What, what's your, what's your um, threshold? for injustice. 
you know, and sometimes we can think of just social injustices, but there's sometimes we feel injustice even in our marriage. We can feel an injustice in our parenting, in our professional careers with our bosses, with our colleagues. Um, there's, there's lots of relationships that we just feel is not fair. There's something there. You know, and I think David is just a great example of someone who, who show, shows us how to be tolerant and to constantly, and I, I don't think he did this with his own power. I think he, he had to dig really deep and remind himself of the radical faith and trust that he had since he was a young boy. And this is the last scripture. Um, but what struck me about David and really moved, because I think there's many examples of grace being given in the scriptures, but this took it to a whole new level for me. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, um, it talks about David hears of Saul's death. Ultimately, Saul does die. He, he gets onto the battlefield and, and ultimately realizes that he's losing the battle. And sadly, he kills himself. He falls onto his own sword. Um, you know, the, the age-old saying, those who live by the sword die by the sword. But, but when David hears of Saul's death, he mourns. I mean, quite honestly, when, when, um, if, you know, it's very rare that you hear people mourning when, when their enemy, your, when your enemy has died. Usually for most people, that's a celebration. I think how, how the world celebrated or celebrates when, when, um, when sometimes there's in society, there's really bad people, whether it's terrorists, Ben Laden, when he got killed, the world celebrated. I mean, this was someone that pursued David and tried to kill him. And David mourns and he writes this lament. I'll pick up in verse 23. It says, Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions, the daughters of Israel. Weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. You know, if we truly um, stay connected to God, and talk through our injustices with God, the feelings that we have. God doesn't just give us 
the spirit to cope, but he will fundamentally transform our hearts so that we can move to a place where we could love our enemies. You know, you could see through this journey how God transforms David's character. You know, many times we read in the scriptures says, "Do you know, love your enemies." It's it's um, it seems like a cliche, love your enemies. It just it's like, you know, in 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 the current situation uh, in the states, there's lots of racial hatred. There's lots of there's lots of well, not just in the U.S. around the world, there's a lot of racial issues, racial racial hatred. As Christians, we need to love. You know, David doesn't just stop here. In Second Samuel, further on in the in, in Second Samuel, David finds out who in Saul's family is still alive. And he finds Saul's grandson. And he effectively gives Saul's grandson all of Saul's territory back. And he lets Saul's grandson sit at his table for the rest of his life. This is not someone who just said, well, you know, great, Saul's dead. You know, at least I'm relieved now. He continued to show his love and then found his enemy's grandson and then loved his enemy's grandson till the end. It's an intense type of love that you can only you can only get this type of love from God. You know, what can we learn from these two characters? You know, Saul started off great. You know, he was tall. He was handsome. He was the chosen one. He was the king. He was God's anointed. But when I look at Saul, I, I, I can't judge Saul because I'm equally a sinner. The question is, is that Saul never dealt with his character flaws. And, and as Christians, I want to encourage you, whatever your character flaws are, you've got to deal with them. You can't just say, well, my dad was like that, so I'm like that. And, you know, that's just how it is. It's just part of, it's just part of the Oliver culture. Because Saul never dealt with it, and we can see how it progressed and progressed and progressed. And ultimately, I think he died a, he just died a very sad, sad man. From David's perspective, we learn that we need to trust and have patience. Seven years serving a king in a palace who wants to kill you. God's timing is perfect. I learned from David that as a, as a, as a society, as, a, as, you know, we can have hope despite the human evil that we're seeing around us. We know that God will oppose the proud and exalt the humble. I want you to have peace in your heart to know that God will deliver divine justice. You might be sitting in that in your in your lounge or wherever you sat now thinking, I can list 10 injustices that I have personally and I can see a whole lot of injustices in the world. The truth is, is that all of these major social justice issues that we're seeing 
I'm not sure we'll actually see the resolution in our lifetime. One thing I do know as a Christian is that God will deliver justice. We need to love our enemies. And then I'll close off with Romans 5 verse 8 as we take time just to, as we take communion together. In Romans 5 verse 8 it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth is, is that we all know that we were enemies of God. And he stepped out in faith and effectively um, died for us whilst we were still enemies. And in some ways, you know, David's heart effectively reflects the same way, you know, Saul pursuing him, Saul pursuing him, and he, he just loved Saul back and spared his life and loved him and spared his life and, and ultimately loved his, the rest of his uh, family for, for many years. So I just wanted to encourage you, let's imitate Christ and demonstrate our love to all in a world that is filled with injustice. And if there's something that you're feeling today or know that God understands, but act, go out, speak, speak out loud. Um, get, get the peace so that it doesn't steal any of your joy um, any longer. With that in mind, I'm going to hand over to Miko uh, just to pray for the communion for us. Okay, thank you, Marlon. Can you all hear us now? Hello. Okay, good. So uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Oh, dear God, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you, God, and no matter what we're feeling, no matter where we are, no matter what the situation, um, you're always close by to us. God, um, just in, in terms of what happened in Reading, just, just a few blocks away from where we live and many of us has lived, people died through total injustice um, out of the blue and we don't know when our time comes. But we know that um, there's a lot of injustice in the world. Uh, things are just not fair. Sometimes they're more than unfair. It's, um, there's oppression, there's, um, there's all kinds of things. But, but uh, like, um, like the Bible says in Romans, uh, uh, it says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And, and God says that he's not revenging. <laughs>